0: This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 383, Comic Reviews for the week of Wednesday, June 15th. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans podcast. This is episode 383. It's our Comic Reviews episode, focusing on the releases from the week of Wednesday, June 15th. I'm your host, Adam Chapman. Every week we take a look at uh, some of the highlights uh, from the week before, well, not always highlights. The books I had a chance to read, and therefore, uh, they're not always good. Sometimes they're ugly, downright ugly, but sometimes they're actually pretty good. Uh, so we'd like to take a look at those comics. First, we're going to uh, quickly, sh- I guess, uh, shine a light on the books that I did not get a chance to read, which in a lot of cases I'm kicking myself. I'm like, oh, man, I forgot about that, I forgot about that. Um, so the books I won't be talking about include Batman number no. 1, that just somehow completely passed me by. Uh, Green Arrow, number one. Green Lanterns, number one. Justice League, 51. Uh, new Suicide Squad, 21. I believe the last issue of Poison Ivy, Cycle of Life and Death. Uh, I believe it's the last issue of Swamp Thing as well. Back to the Future, Citizen Brown, number two. Walt Disney Comics and Stories, 732. Uh, All-New humans. new issue of Black Widow, Deadpool. Uh, Guardians of Infinity, International Iron Man, uh, Nova, uh, Patsy Walker, aka Cat number 7, Scarlet, Spider Gwen, Spidey, Squadron Supreme, Star Wars Han Solo, Uncanny, Inhumans, Uncanny X-Men, and Humans, Uncanny X Men, and Vote Loki. Uh, so that's everything I somehow missed. So you're probably wondering at home, uh, if you're wondering anything at all, what the hell did you read? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, first up, we have Amazing Spider Man. This is issue number 14. I think it was better than the previous issue, but I'm still not really digging it. Um, I don't know what it is. I just I, I want to enjoy Amazing Spider-Man, and I just find that I'm not quite there, and I'm always kind of bummed out by it. The last issue I gave a three I'm sorry a five point five out of ten, so I really was not a big fan. I thought this was better, but it still had a lot of problems. Uh, it's written by Dan Slott and Christos Gage. Who, uh, Christos Gage was recently on the show. Uh, Giuseppe Coley doing the art, and actually I I, I dig Coley's art. It's solid. It's relatively consistent. I just thought the story was a little blase. Um I wasn't a, that big a fan of a lot of this except for the I found the Harry Osborne parts to be the most interesting everything else just felt it was a little painful to read and this the, everything with Regent feels like a retread um I'm I'm just not that interested I do think it was a, a more solid issue than the issue previous I think the characterization was a little bit stronger um although the whole Peter and Tony stuff still doesn't quite work and then visiting Miles family like that didn't quite work for me either, but I did like seeing Regent kind of taking down uh, the different heroes as he assimilates them into his power set. That was at least more intriguing, and kind of seeing what happened after he was confronted by Betty Brant, and then also seeing what comes from the confrontation with um, Harry Osborn, or should I say Lyman, was pretty interesting as well. Uh, Intrigued enough to see what happens next, but I still feel like Regent was way too soon. Like, I, he's not that interesting. And considering the version of him that we saw in Renew Your Vows, it just feels like... This story means a less because we already saw like the, his ultimate end goal there and how he was kind of the, you know, the king. I think if we'd had this story first and then we'd had a uh, Renew Your Vows type of story, seeing what actually happened if he succeeded, I think it would have been a little bit more interesting. Here it just feels like we've done this, he's already succeeded in another reality, and now we're just watching it again for what reason, I'm not really sure. I'm going to give this issue a six, uh, slightly better than last, but not a lot. Uh, next up is Astonishing Ant Man number nine. This is absolutely fantastic, as always. Uh, it's art- written by Nick Spencer, artwork by Ramon Rosanos. Uh, we're getting closer and closer to finding out exactly why Scott's in jail or how he ends up that way. Um, this issue was great. Just the, the whole kind of heist, him putting together a squad. I really enjoy the characters. I love Machine Smith. I love. Um, Grizzly and the way he's written here and what he does, I even like Darla Deering here, who I'd never been a big fan of before, I love the Beetle like this, uh, the crew that he puts together. It's just it's written so well. It's got a great sense of humor to the issue, but it's also got some serious moments as well. Um, this is fantastic, and Rosanna's is just killing it on art. I'm gonna give this an eight and, a half, eight and a half out of ten. It was it was just a really solid book, and I think. Like, that's what I've come to expect from Ant-Man, of all books, is a a very consistent and enjoyable book, which just kind of exists in and of itself, away from, you know, everything else that's going on in the Marvel Universe, and that's not a bad thing. Speaking of the Marvel Universe, uh, this was the week of Civil War II, number two. That's not confusing at all. Uh, It's written by Brian Michael Bendis, artwork by David Marquez. I will say that um, it's definitely a slow burn it's not nearly as, as big, which is kind of more frustrating. That It's a seven-issue series. Not that I want them to go right into the slam, you know, the the big bruhaha and they're fighting each other. But it feels like it's a little too slow here um, in terms of how this becomes such a big thing that everyone's on different sides of. Uh, I think the last time it just made more sense how it became so big and so escalated so quickly. Whereas this still feels like a much more intimate affair with Tony abducting Ulysses and, you know, trying to do basically a, a science. Basic experiment and, you know, trying to then fight against his former friends, and then there they have, a, Ulysses has a vision and he's so sorry the Hulk's going to kill everyone so uh, Carol goes and confronts Bruce Banner, and that's kind of our ending here. It's, so it just feels oddly paced, and it just doesn't quite feel big enough. Um, and I think, again, part of this is probably the fact that they called it Civil War 2. Uh, if you didn't want comparisons to the original, you can't call it a sequel to this big event. Whether or not you liked it or not, it was a big event. It had a lot of ramifications for Marvel. Uh, it definitely pushed things to a different level. It changed continuity, for, at least for a number of years, and set things into motion. It was a big event, and I mean, we all events they pitched them as being these kind of big events, but it really was a big event. It was a big deal when it happened. So to name something the sequel to such a big event that was important, very important for the Marvel in the in the two thousands, uh, it's it just feels like it's not. It's kind of like you're you're setting yourself up a lot for failure a little bit. And Brian Michael Bendis, at the end of the day, he's a good writer, but he's not Mark Millar. And not to say that Mark Millar is a better writer. Mark Millar is a is more of a bombastic writer. Like if you read his first arc of Ultimate X Men, if you read his Ultimates, like those are, are big ideas, but also big on action. And he's really good about doing it. Bendis is a really good writer, but he's not always his his strong point is not necessarily the big action. And so if you name an event like this, and everyone's kind of coming into it expecting people to take sides over this big issue, and I don't think they've really done a good idea, good job showing why this would be such a big deal for everyone to kind of be split you know, along the, all those different lines. Whereas with Civil War, the first one, it felt like there was a very definite conflict. This happens, so this is the response to it, and you either on one side or the other. There's no real inciting incident here necessarily. There's Everyone realizes, oh, this guy could tell the future. What does that mean for everyone? And how do his powers really work? Now, it's frustrating enough because this is a world where there's tons of precogs that we've had in the past, but suddenly this is the one that makes people choose sides. Is it because he's an inhuman, which they're still trying to push? Like, It's never really clear. I'm going to give you the issue of six. The artwork is breathtaking. It's really, really good. I love Marquez. I miss him on uh, Iron Man, but I'm glad that he's doing this because it's just so good to look at. I just wish that the story he's being asked to pencil was more entertaining. Uh, next up is Civil War II X-Men number one. This it felt more like you know kind of another schism book, and it didn't really feel like it was that connected to civil uh, war. I mean, obviously it is because of the idea of you know Ulysses being out there and what happens with um, preventing the future. Uh, I do like that you know Nightcrawler thinks that maybe Magneto is right in this case, although I hate Magne- um, not Magneto. I hate Nightcrawler's current design. Uh, I don't like the hair. I don't like the weird costume. Um, he just doesn't look like Nightcrawler. He looks more like AoA Nightcrawler, maybe, but I just he's not classic Nightcrawler. This art, this 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 book is okay. It's written by Colin Bunn, and I did enjoy it. Um, I thought Andrea Bricardo was not a great choice for penciler, though. I wasn't a big fan of the art. I thought the story was definitely stronger than the art. Um, the art was just did not work for me at all. Uh, I'm going to give the issue a six and a half out of 10. I think it would have been stronger if there had been a, an artist that I would have enjoyed his work more. Uh, next up is clause number six. Uh, we're coming up to the end. I believe there's only one issue left of this series. It's written by Grant Morrison, illustrated by Dan Mora. Um, I think it, not that it's lost its way, but I do think it was a little bit more enjoyable earlier on. That being said, as we're starting to kind of come to a close, Things are, shit's starting to hit the fan and starting to make a lot more sense, or at least things are coming together. Uh, the ending is weird and much more Grant Morrison-ish than uh, the previous issues had been, but overall, still a good read. I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. I think as a collected version, it might work very well, as opposed to these uh, monthly installments, which aren't always exactly monthly. Uh, next up is Star Wars number 20, which is yet another of Obi-Wan's journals. Um... This is written by Jason Aaron, artwork by Mike Mayhew, who does just a breathtaking job uh, of, of really, you know, com- doing a great job capturing these characters. Um, the, the, I forget how to pronounce his name. Black Crescentin, the massive Wookiee. Looks massive. He looks fearsome. Um, the way that the fight with him and Obi-Wan is awesome. How uh, Owen even gets involved. Um, and then kind of Luke saves the day, which is kind of crazy. Uh, and weird, but uh, I really enjoyed this. Um, It's a solid issue. Great art. I think the art might have in some cases been better than the story, but I think overall I'm going to give it a a 7.5 out of 10. Next up is Superman number 1. It felt a little disjointed at times, or I just, I really enjoyed it. I should say that. Uh, It was really good. It's written by uh, Peter J. Tomasi, um, artwork by Patrick Leeson. It's very kind of interesting to see Clark you know, dealing, pre 50, uh, pre flashpoint Clark dealing with the fact that the new 52 version of Superman has died. Um, we also get to see a little bit more of, of his son's perspective, his son dealing with his own powers and unfortunately, uh, kills the, uh, I guess the, the farm farmhouse cat, which is extremely upsetting and like gruesome and just really heartbreaking. Um, I just thought the issue felt almost a little too short um, but it was really entertaining, and so maybe that's why I thought it was short because I was really kind of into it. The art was great. I really liked how Tomasi's writing Clark because he feels like Superman. Like he feels like this was a, a man that you would respect, uh, a man that you would follow, a man you'd be like, yeah, he he cares about us. Like this is Superman, and this is Superman as a dad. And I'm enjoying the kind of the way that they're building the current continuity uh, between these characters and then what it's going to be like going forward. In, in, in the case of their status quo really dug it eight out of ten wish it was longer but i think that's a good thing uh and last but not least is titan's rebirth and i'm not really sure how i feel about this um first of all not a fan of brett booth so i'm a little disappointed that he's the artist on this although i will say there were times here where it wasn't as brett boothian as normal if that makes any sense whatsoever um we got Wally in a new suit that is generated from the Speed Force. I'm not a big fan of him being younger, and it's just kind of weird. The fact that, you know, people touch him and they get, like, a shock and then they understand part of their history together. Um, I, I kind of liked it, but at the same time there's not a lot that actually happens here. Everyone just kind of hits him and, uh, I don't know. I liked the way it was written. I didn't like the art that much, but Brett Booth so it wasn't as bad as normal, or as that's really unfair it's i'm not usually a big fan of brett Booth's style and i found that this wasn't as i said before as brett boothian as normal so i enjoyed it a little bit more i just i don't understand i'm so torn on this because it, uh, on the one hand i kind of liked it i got a lot of flashbacks to kind of make you understand why these characters like each other and what, what their history was and these are like the classic titans we're not just talking about the you know the new teen titans we're who I don't even know if they even exist in this world based on what happens in Justice League, but who the freak knows. Um, But, you know, this original version of Titans, which doesn't involve characters that might be more complicated to explain, uh, although even Donna Troy, I mean, I don't know how they're going to explain that either because of what her New 52 history was. It just none of it makes a lot of sense. Um, So I liked it, but at the same point, you have to think about the fact that really nothing happens. Um you know, Wally is found by Dick and then by the rest of the Titans and they all get their memories back and that's it. Um, So I feel like this is like half an issue. Uh, We didn't really get much momentum. Um, It was just kind of just establishing, I know you, I know you, I know you. And it just felt very uh, prolonged in order to actually do that. Uh, I feel like back in there were... Back in the day, you probably could have done it a lot faster, and I feel they spent a lot more space on it than they needed to. I'm going to give it a 6.5 out of 10. I like Abnett. He was recently on the show. Uh, I like his writing, but I just felt like this issue could have been a little bit more. Uh, and that's everything I had a chance to read this past week. But if we look ahead uh, to next week, June 22nd, some of the highlights that are going to be coming out include uh, trade paperback of Lara Croft and the Frozen Omen, uh, as well as Tomb Raider 2 2016, number five. We have the launch of Aquaman, new issue of Action Comics. Uh, we have uh, the DC, the New Frontier, and new trade paperback. Um, not a surprise. I don't know if this is always on the books or not, but it makes sense to bring out a new edition to commemorate Darwin Cook upon his tragic passing. Uh, the launch of Aquaman, number one, uh, Flash, number one, a new issue of Detective Comics uh let's see we got a lot of harlequin a new issue a new hardcover and a new trade paperback we got justice league 52 because they're not quite done with that book didn't 51 just come out this week uh we got robinson of batman 13 a new edition of superman panic in the sky uh the launch of wonder woman and number one after we already had the rebirth issue from idw we got action man number one back to the future number nine um and then we also had tmnt bebop and rocksteady destroy everything number four uh, Image Comics got a new issue of Bitch Planet a uh, new issue uh, oh, sorry, trade paperback of Postal it's volume 3, uh, launch of uh, She-Wolf number 1 and we also have Snowfall number 5 and from Marvel we've got Captain America, Sam Wilson number 10, Carnage number 9 Carnage Classic if anything like that can be called a classic as um, a new trade paperback Civil War 2, Choosing Sides in the uh, grand tradition of the first one uh, what was that, 10 years ago uh, Deadpool vs. Gambit, number one, Doctor Strange, number nine, Drax, Gwenpool, um, Mighty Thor, Moon Girl, and Devil Dinosaur, which I really love. It's actually a really entertaining book. Uh, I got the first trade paperback of that coming out. New issue of Ms. Marvel, Nighthawk, the the NYX Complete Collection. I don't even remember seeing that mentioned. Oh, wow. Uh, the trade paperback for the Red Wolf series called Man Out of Time. Um... We've got Star Wars Force Awakens adaptation number one, totally awesome Hulk number seven, Ultimates number eight, Uncanny Avengers number ten, Web Warriors number eight, and the X Men trade paperback volume two Inferno. So that is our episode for this week. Thank you for joining me. If you want to, uh, if you haven't checked out episode three eighty two already, we have a great conversation with Zeb Wells, uh, which I think you will really enjoy. Our next episode in a few days will be episode three eighty four, as we have a conversation with Tony Bedard. I was uh, really excited to talk to him because I was a big fan of his negation book uh, for cross-gen over a decade ago, so it was really exciting to be able to talk to him about it. And then the week after that, I believe July 1st, will be our conversation with John Semper Jr., the main head writer and story editor of the Amazing sorry, the Spider-Man animated series from the 1990s, otherwise known as Spider-Man TAS, amongst fans. Uh, so that's uh, everything for this week. You can email me at comic shenanigans at gmail.com, like the show on Facebook, read and review us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and you 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 can also listen to us on Stitcher. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time. Bye bye.